This is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Review Radio on 1160 AM, 103.1 FM, WMET, the Guadalupe Radio Network. Catholic Review Radio is a weekly radio program and podcast hosted by Catholic Review Media, the news operation of the Archdiocese of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic partners for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to our listeners each week. Father, it's good to be here. Today we're here to talk about the National Shrine Grotto. I mean, it's one of these places where people come from miles around to make pilgrimages. It's the summertime. So to have that, uh, that place where we can go, especially after being quarantined, to find those places, those sacred spaces of, of, of really encountering the Lord and, and even Our Lady. Uh, can you speak a little bit about what is the backstory of the grotto? Maybe you can start there. Sure, Father. Well, this is the site of the second oldest shrine in honor of Our Lady of Lourdes in the United States. And we are on the campus of Mount St. Mary's University, which was founded in the early 1800s. We also have a seminary on the campus. And back in that time, in the 1800s, late 1800s, the seminarians from the campus came up into this beautiful sanctuary of prayer, which had been as such for many years, and they built a replica of the Shrine of Lourdes in France here. So since that time, it's been a place of pilgrimage, mostly locally, but since 65, it was made a public oratory and became a national shrine. And so since then, we've been welcoming, at this point, hundreds of thousands of pilgrims each year visit the National Shrine Grotto. How would you describe the grotto for someone who's never been there, never seen it, or want to share it with their grandchildren? Well, I would say it is a a bucket list destination. I had a woman in here yesterday. She stopped by en route to visit friends in D.C. from New York, and she hadn't been here since she was a child. She used to frequent it when she was a child, and she told us that she was happy to come back and visit because it was one of the most peaceful places she's ever been in her life. So many people comment on the peace because the beauty of nature is here. It's very lush and beautiful. We have a sanctuary which is dedicated to Our Lady, but also the glory of God in nature and the beauty of nature and and how much of that is visible here. So it is a special place. It's a sanctuary of peace and prayer and quiet and beauty. Yeah, and it's basically on top of a mountain. So you're kind of overlooking off a mountain that's very beautiful. And not only that, but it's like like a football field-long path through the trees. You yeah, know, with, with a place me. to pray and reflect mm-hmm. and, and just to be at peace with God. And It reminds me of the quote of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton, who lived just a few miles from here. And when she was writing to her sister, who was in New York, she tried to describe the beauty of being on top of this mountain. And she mm-hmm. said, we are half in the sky. The height of our situation is almost incredible. Wow. So even over 200 years ago, people were making pilgrimage to this mountain. What other famous people would have visited this mountain, especially in the early years? So Mother Seton is probably the most famous person. She was canonized in the mid-70s, and her shrine is nearby a few miles away. 
but we've also been visited here by Mother Teresa on two separate occasions. One of the founders of the seminary and university is Simon Brute. He was great friend and spiritual director to Mother Seton, and he is a servant of God, so hopefully one day he will be recognized as a, as a saint. We've also had a very important person who was recognized most recently, Blessed Stanley Rother, who was a seminarian here, was ordained for the Diocese of Oklahoma, became a missionary in Mexico, and was martyred in 81, and was recently beatified. And Stanley Rother is fascinating because he used to work at the grotto while he was attending seminary. He would come up here not only for prayer, but he actually did improvements, work on the grotto grounds, and we find mention of this in his diaries. And then two other people I would mention is the missionary James Walsh, who a Marinol missionary, and he was imprisoned in China for many years. And his diary tells us that while he was in prison, he would make daily mental pilgrimages to the grotto. And when he was released, uh, he could go anywhere he wanted. They asked him where he would like to go first, and he said, back to the grotto. Yeah, the story of uh, Bishop James Walsh, that very old missionary, how beautiful it was the fact that when he was in prison, he would make daily mental visits to the grotto. Right. I mean, that's a great story in the fact that, like, after 13 years of being in solitary confinement, the fact that he could visit in the beauty of God's creation, like, it's that peaceful that you go and in the, the picture of your mind and go visit our Lord and, and Our Lady who's honored there greatly. What a great gift. Yeah. And that memorable, like the impressions of the beauty that would stay with him. The other person I would mention that people are probably familiar with is Father Ed Flanagan was here, and he is renowned for having founded Boys Town. So some of your listeners may be familiar with him as well. Mm-hmm. What was the famous phrase of Father Flanagan of the, the boys in there where – there was a little boy who was on had some leg issues, was, was crippled, and older boy carried him on his shoulders, and the famous line was, he's not heavy, he's my brother. And it's like, <laughs> hey, we're all called to take care of each other. And, and Father Flanagan was really instrumental in really, really raising up uh, young men to grow in virtue and grace, to honor God above all things. Obviously, that's connected to Omaha, Nebraska, although he was a college student at St. Mary's. So here is this beautiful place to go. There is an element of, like, bring back Sunday drives. Bring back summer drives, you know, to go to the grotto. Like, what would you say to encouraging people um, of why why it would be worthwhile to bring their family or bring a spouse or bring a friend out to the grotto? Well, Father, what we see are a lot of people, especially now when some of travel has been curtailed, people enjoy taking a day trip again with their family. So maybe you remember as a child we used to, we had five kids in my family, we would pile into a station wagon and take picnics. Uh, in different places that were within an hour or two away, go to a lake or go fishing or or hiking. And this is somewhat like that. People will come here, they'll bring their whole family, they'll bring a picnic, and they'll spend the day here. They can attend Mass on Sunday, they can walk, visit, it's outdoors, it's safe. We are cognizant of being distant from one another, but because we have so much acreage here, it's not a problem. People can really enjoy being together with their family and yet outdoors and in a sanctuary of peace and beauty. Yeah, there's something beautiful. There's, there's so many different aspects of the grotto to see that are memorable for people and how beautiful it is. Can you speak about, there's a cabin up there. Can you tell the story of, of a cabin that's kind of up in the grotto area? And what, what's the backstory of that cabin? 
So there was a remarkable person here early on in the Grotto history by the name of Hughes, and he was a friend of Mother Seton's, and he was the gardener here at the university. And he actually found a vocation. John Hughes found a vocation. He he became a priest, and he later became a bishop in New York, and that was the cabin in which he, he lived when he was first living here on the mountain. So some good stories and happy memory of um, Bishop John Hughes. I remember hearing someone describing the story that actually he couldn't afford seminary, and so he couldn't stay in the seminary, so he built his own cabin that was next to the seminary down on the bottom of the mountain, and, and this is the replica. So the one who couldn't afford seminary, the one who had to beg, mm-hmm. Elizabeth Ann Seton had to inter- intercede with Father John Dubois to get him in because he wasn't going to accept them. And Mother Seton, like, put the, the spiritual lean <laughs> on Father Dubois, and he got accepted to the seminary even though he lived in the separate cabin. Yeah, and then I the think, fact that... I think the irony of that story is later when John Dubois uh, retired, Bishop John Hughes became his superior. That's <laughs> so, right, that's right. And he wasn't looking forward to bringing in a seminary, became his superior, so that's a little irony. And, and not only that, but the one who built that cabin is also the one who built St. Patrick's Cathedral in New York. Yeah, wow. And so it's buried there, right? Yeah, uh, and buried there, yeah. So it's just a phenomenal, phenomenal story. Beautiful stories a, of all the priests who left, you know, the seminary went throughout the United States and, and the effect that our seminarian priests ordained have had on the formation of the Catholic faith in the country. Yeah, it is interesting also that the grotto is a place, it's like holy ground, like where people pray for long periods of time and over the years. Like you said, that peacefulness that people experience, that is a gift. That's a worth. That's a gift worth traveling to, or a place that where people pray, a place where people go for refuge. And we're going to talk a little bit more of that after the break. So we're here with Don Walsh, who is the director of the National Shrine Grotto of Our Lady of Lords in Emmitsburg, Maryland. Father Brian for Catholic Review Radio. We'll be right back. Archdiocese of Baltimore makes the protection of children a leading priority in its parishes, schools, and other ministries. The Archdiocese seeks to keep kids safe through training and background checks and by implementing a zero-tolerance policy for anyone credibly accused of abusing a child. For more information about the Archdiocese's efforts to keep our children safe, please visit www.archbalt.org accountability. News from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world from the Catholic Review. In addition to baptisms, first communions, and marriage, holy orders are among the sacraments that have been postponed by the coronavirus pandemic. In the Archdiocese of Baltimore, the rites that were disrupted include the ordination of five men to the priesthood. Originally scheduled for June 20th, that rite has been moved to August 22nd at the Cathedral of Mary Our Queen in Homeland. The Catholic Review will profile the five men to be ordained in online exclusives over the coming weeks. First up is a look at Deacon Zachary Crowley. 
His junior year of high school was marked by the unexpected demise of his father, which left Deacon Crowley, in his own words, devastated. A decade ago, he found himself aimlessly adrift at the University of Maryland. The Catholic Student Center at College Park, led then by Father Rob Walsh, now the pastor of Our Lady of Lords Parish in Bethesda, was where he began to turn around his life. After his ordination, Deacon Crowley will serve two parishes in Howard County, St. Louis in Clarksville and St. Francis of Assisi in Fulton. Next up in our series of ordinary profiles will be Deacon Brendan Fitzgerald, who had a career in the seafood industry before entering Mount St. Mary's Seminary in Emmitsburg. In other news related to COVID-19, we've got a look at two coaches taking over high school football programs in uncertain times, Dom D'Amico at Mount St. Joseph High and Josh Ward at Calvert Hall College High School. They're preparing players and coaches for a season that is still very much up in the air. Hispanic ministry in the Archdiocese of Baltimore is mourning the death of one of its matriarchs, Delfina Heidi Pareda Echeverria, at age 99. Her life began in Guatemala and included both secular and faith leadership roles in her adopted hometown of Baltimore, including offering one of the readings of the Mass St. John Paul II celebrated at Oriel Park at Camden Yards 25 years ago. Our Works of Mercy series explores Give Drink to the Thirsty, looking at a Baltimore soup kitchen that provides plenty of bottled water to those experiencing homelessness, and an initiative of members of the Catholic Men's Fellowship, who honor the memory of a Jesuit missionary to India by sponsoring the building of wells there. All of these stories, by the way, are being showcased on a new, more user-friendly website that web editor George Matisek has spent months redesigning. Find these stories and more from the team that won Maryland, Delaware, D.C. Press Association News Organization of the Year for a second straight year at catholicreview.org. You can also subscribe to our e-newsletter by texting C, that's the letter C, R, the letter R, media to 84576. From the newsroom of the Catholic Review, this is Paul McMullen, Managing Editor. With inviting surroundings, complete independence, and an unmatched quality of life, Mercy Ridge is the unparalleled choice for your retirement lifestyle. It's a way of living that promotes an active, healthier life. Located in Timonium, Maryland, Mercy Ridge Continuing Care Retirement Community features a beautifully landscaped 32-acre campus. The grounds, dining, and recreational amenities and residences are designed to provide a gracious lifestyle and a variety of exciting activities. Visit MercyRidge.com. You are listening to Catholic Review Radio on 1160 AM and 103.1 FM WMBT, the Guadalupe Radio Network. Welcome back to Catholic Review Radio. My name is Father Brian Nolan. We are blessed to have Dawn Walsh, who is the director of the National Shrine Grotto of Our Lady of Lords in Emmitsburg, Maryland. Dawn, what would you, there are, again, thousands of people that come to the grotto. What's the first thing that people notice from a distance, if you were to describe it, uh, because <laughs> for someone who's never been there, what's the thing that really stands out that people it will first catch people's attention? Well, anybody who's driven down Route 15 has looked up and seen the beautiful golden statue of Our Lady of Grace, and 
This is a statue atop a 65-foot campanile bell tower. This was erected in 65, and so the bells toll over the mountain. All the students of the university are familiar with that sound of the bells tolling on the quarter hours. And so over the top of the trees, what you see on the mountain is this beautiful gold statue, and it's just remarkable how Our Lady draws people to the grotto because they're driving, and so often we hear, and I, I mean daily, we hear stories of, I've driven down Route 15 for years and years, and I never came up here to see what was up here. And then they get up here to see where is this statue, and then this beautiful sanctuary is revealed to them. So that's really how Our Lady catches the the travelers, and it's always so fun to meet them and hear their stories, how they got here. And, And then once you come for the first time, you will come again and again. I remember a number of people, obviously, full disclosure, I was the university shopping at Mount St. Mary's, so I would walk back and forth on campus. But I remember people telling me, students and even parents of students at Mount St. Mary's, they said, even people who worked at the university who weren't Catholic, they said, I just found something comforting about that Mary on the mountain, you know, a mother on a mountain that's kind of over watching over everybody and interceding. What have you seen? When people go to the grotto, why don't you describe what are some reasons why people make the long trek to come to the grotto? What are some other kind of highlights about the grotto? Mm-hmm. So as you were speaking about Our Lady looking over the university, I'm reminded, Father, of the um, the distance that you can see when you stand atop the mountain here. It is, I don't know, 30 miles distance that you can right. see. And so it's a remarkable view. We think about when Mother Seton would have climbed the mountain and looked over it and been so impressed because those were the days when, you know, a height like this, I mean, we're used to going on a Ferris wheel or a plane ride. They didn't have that then, so the vantage that they had from standing here atop the mountain was remarkable. And when people come here, they're struck by, well, I'll just say the piece. I I have a visitor who comes, well, probably quarterly from the Silver Spring area, and he's not Catholic. He just comes here to soak up the peace of the place. And I asked him once, Oleg, why do you come so far? It's an hour and a half ride for you to come here. And it was so beautiful because even though he was not Catholic, this is what he told me. When I come to the grotto, I feel the peace of all the prayers that have been prayed here before I arrived. Wow. It's just beautiful. So there is really something, it's spiritual, but it's nearly tangible here. The closeness that you feel to heaven here is is substantial. And especially in these times where there's a little <laughs> bit more chaos in the world, and and yeah, there's people are looking for places of peace. I remember being up there and realizing the number of people who had loved ones they were praying for. So maybe a loved one, maybe they had someone with them who had cancer, or they were interceding for someone who had cancer, or a story of someone who was struggling with addictions. And they were coming coming up there. Can you speak a little bit about the the water, the water up there, and and speak a little bit about the back the backstory of that and why people come for the water on the mountain? Mm-hmm. So the there's a natural spring here. So in the early 1800s, when John Dubois was drawn to the top of the mountain because he saw a light, he came up to pray. It was a beautiful clearing that he reached, and there was a spring there. So that spring still travels through the grotto itself, 
and down onto the university campus, people, and this is sort of analogous to Lourdes, where Our Lady appeared in Lourdes, France in the 1850s, and the spring there in which Bernadette uncovered gave healing waters and graces. Here we have a similar spring, and people will bring their prayers here. They will take the water home with them, give it to their loved ones. It's a representation, physical representation, of the intercessory prayers which are left here at the feet of our Lord and through the intercession of Blessed Mother asking for answers to these prayers and for healing, for graces, all kinds of different requests, requests for people who are out of work or people who are looking for a new home or people who are hoping to have another child. We always have beautiful answered prayers where people came. I was just looking out the window. We have a mosaic of Our Lady of Guadalupe out there, and mm-hmm. there was a family having their photograph taken with their new infant beside oh. Our Lady of Guadalupe. So <laughs> you just constantly see beautiful images of devotion, and the shrine itself is what we call Marian and Eucharistic. So the devotion to Our Lady leads us to devotion to our Lord Jesus Christ in the Eucharist, and that's one of the beautiful benefits of the of the shrine too. I, I remember there's a history, it's kind of unofficial, you know, the church may not say these are miracles that have happened, but a number of people have talked about things they were changed, things that happened in their visits to the grotto. Can you share any of those stories uh, with with us? Gosh, there's so many. I'm thinking about one of the beautiful stories was a priest who was, who was on the campus here for some time and he took ill and they took him to the hospital and he really was not going to recover he knew and he was going into a rehab and so he said can you just take me by the grotto before I go into the other facility so they they stopped by the grotto and they wheeled him up and he went up there and he said prayers in the grotto and took in the statue of our lady and recommended his his situation to her and and left and then shortly thereafter was talking to the rector at the time who was Monsignor Phillips and he said Monsignor Phillips you know I got to stop there on my way to the hospital I'm so grateful Our Lady looked more beautiful than ever and Monsignor Phillips said which, which image are you speaking of he said oh Our Lady of Lourdes there in the grotto and, and Monsignor Phillips said well she's been taken down for painting she was not there when you visited Wow, wow. <laughs> I love that's a favorite story of how she she was present to her, her priest son. But there was the story of, I don't think we've talked about this, there's a, a rock that was sent to us in the 90s from Lourdes, France, taken from the grotto. And the Bishop of Lourdes actually brought it here so that we'd have that material co- connection with the grotto in France. So the previous rector installed it into the face of the grotto and people will go up there and venerate it, you know, touch the stone, lifting their hearts in prayer, which is very beautiful. Well, one day there was a woman who came, her husband was deaf. She came here to pray and she touched the rock and she was praying for her husband. And as she came away from the grotto, her phone rang and on the on the phone was her husband and he said, I can hear, I can hear. So you probably know that story. I think he, yeah. he had been deaf for many years, 10 or 15 years. He he, he recovered 
hearing in that ear. So there's lots of stories about that. I have one more I'll just share, if I may, mm-hmm. about about conversion. Since we had early in March when we had to close, when we reopened, we had to do it temperately and kind of keep track of how many people were coming in each day. And there was a man who was driving down 15, and he saw the statue of Blessed Mother, and he pulled up. He had been raised Catholic as a young man but had fallen away. And he said, what is this place? And one of the sisters spoke to him and one of our staff members and said, oh, this is a sanctuary, and please come. You're most welcome. And they were sharing the faith a little bit with him, and and he ended up going to confession, and then he attended Mass. And so he came out and he said, I'm so happy I came here. I want to get reconnected with my Catholic faith. So he just had no plan that day. He just saw the statue and drove up and then the beautiful grace that he received here. Yeah, and sometimes it's a mystery of what our plans might be for that day. What they didn't intend to do, the Lord or through the intercession of Our Lady invited them to come up the grotto and so, so many graces, especially through the sacrament of confession and the mass. Those are beautiful, beautiful graces. Well, we thank thank you, Dawn, for coming. That some people didn't intend to come, but really all of our listeners have an opportunity to. Why not put it in your schedule? Why not put it in your schedule to make a pilgrimage to the National Shrine Grotto of Our Lady of Lords in Emmitsburg, Maryland? There's you can go on the website and for more information. What a great, great blessing for this. So, thank you, Dawn Walsh, for uh, leading and really providing hospitality to the many, many pilgrims with your staff, and and blessings on you and um, Mount Saint Mary's University. Thank you, Father. Yes, I'm Father Brian Nolan for Catholic Review Radio. Uh, May God bless you. You're probably not getting much church news in your daily newspaper or on your local TV station. The Catholic Review is the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the Catholic Church full-time. There are so many ways to stay in touch with the Catholic Review. Pick up the monthly magazine at your parish or have it delivered to your home. Get fresh news every day online at catholicreview.org. Subscribe to our e-newsletter for twice-weekly updates. Just text CR Media to 84576. Follow the Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Catholic Review Media will inspire, teach, inform, and engage you wherever your faith takes you. Read it today in print or online at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org. Next week on Catholic Review Radio, Christopher Gunty talks with Catholic singer-songwriter Matt Marr about how his music ministry has evolved from parish musician to full-time performance and touring, though that's on pause during the pandemic. And check out our show on SoundCloud or your favorite podcast app. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Review Radio. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. 
Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. May Almighty God bless us and keep us always in his love.